So, Rachel. Yeah? Wesley Crusher takes a Starfleet Academy entrance exam. Why are you doing that, guys? <laughs> Changing it up. Oh, no. While the Starfleet brass investigate the senior staff of the Enterprise. Sorry if you haven't listened to this show before and you were just creeped out. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if you have anywhere. <laughs> well, the Federation will be wondering why this ship has blundered into so many problems that have to be solved by a child, mm. an android, or a woman. Mm, yeah. Wesley will nearly blow it through nerves. I don't think he will, mm. but there must be some reason he'll blow it nearly, some conflict. Picard will be under the influence. What? Oh my goodness. <laughs> Watches Star Trek. Jake! Jake! Jake, wait a second. How you doing? I'm fine. Really. Jake, I'm sorry. Acting Ensign Crusher, report to transporter room eight. It's not your fault. Yeah, I know. I wish both of us were going. I don't know. Only 32 points. Mr. Crusher, respond. I'm on my way, doctor. I've got to go. I know. Hey, Wes. Do well for both of us, okay? All right. Captain's log, stardate 41416.2. We're orbiting Relvus 7, where Wesley Crusher is about to be tested for entrance into Starfleet Academy. And to my great surprise, I have just learned that my old friend Admiral Gregory Quinn is on Relvus 7 and has requested to be beamed aboard the Enterprise immediately. Quite the big entrance to the episode there. We use a lot of audio, which we don't usually use that much audio, but we thought, hey, why not? Because this is... Rachel Watcher Star Trek. Coming of Age. The name of the episode that we're covering is called Coming of Age. This yeah. isn't. Perhaps we are coming of age. In terms of this show, perhaps it's coming of age now. Mm. How many podcast years equals a human year, you know? I. Mm. Three years, 18 years <sighs> in human years. Well, I'm Chris Lackey. And, and I'm Rachel Lackey. Sorry that we're all over the place, but we're just trying to keep it fresh here. We're just so excited that the children are back at school today for the first time. <laughs> In six months. <laughs> oh, imagine what we'll do. Oh, my gosh. Before it shuts down again. The things we will accomplish. Woo! Now, this episode, Coming of Age, was scripted by Sandy Fries, but was rewritten by Hannah Louise Shearer. Oh, what went on there? It was the only TNG episode directed by Mike Vehar. That's a shame. I think he does a good job. Yeah. Yeah, it's all right. This is a good episode. I liked it. Maurice Hurley was concerned that the show's writing process had stalled under Roddenberry's leadership, and so personally paid for a holiday for Roddenberry and Major Barrett on the understanding that he would take over while they were gone. Major was probably saying, don't you have a part for me, maybe? <laughs> or just send him? <laughs> Did they have a good relationship? I think they had a good relationship. Oh, nice. Yeah. When they eventually returned, Gene let him stay in charge. And that's from Chaos on the Bridge. Wow. A documentary that we're going to watch, but I think yes. we should wait until after the first season is over. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. But how sad that they had to pay for a holiday for Gene just to get him out of there. Yeah. So the episode begins with straight into some dialogue, as you heard, of Wesley consoling a buddy and being nice. 
This guy, Jake. Now, okay, back in the day, me and my buddies, we thought he was the guy that won the Cheerios contest. What, so there actually were competition winners that appeared in Star Trek? I no. was just joking about that when we did TOS. I thought we talked about this on the show before. Probably. I guess let's recap. Okay. So in 1987, there was a contest put on by Cheerios where you could get a guest spot on Star Trek The Next Generation. Whoa. This was before there was no internet, so we had no idea who won. Oh. How would we? Right, right. Where would they announce it? The newspaper. No. The media. Maybe. I don't know. But for some reason, me and my friends decided that this was the guy. (laughs) Stephen Gregory was the winner. But he's actually... give someone that many lines and then he gets to actually fly a ship later. I don't know why we thought that. I'm I'm really digging in my brain. But for some reason, we all jumped to that conclusion. fantasy. Of course, Stephen Gregory is a real actor. He'd been on tons of TV shows. I don't know why. That doesn't mean he can't win a Cheerios competition. Of course not. But I also remember thinking, wow, this guy is really good. (laughs) You know what? He might have a career after this. (laughs) You're so supportive. (laughs) The prize was pretty awesome. Here it is. The expense package included first-class airfare for four people. Goodness. Yeah. Deluxe hotel accommodations, a rental car, $2,000 spending cash. The whole prize was worth an approximate $10,000, which would be valued two times that today. (gasps) But who actually won? Yeah. That's the question. I found this info on TrekCore.com. It says... Uh, We have been able to confirm with sources in the know that despite all of those Trek fans who desperately entered hoping to fulfill their dreams, the actual winner was an elderly woman who chose to receive monetary compensation rather than actually flying to Los Angeles. Oh, that is not in the spirit of the competition at all. (laughs) No. Or she was a bad actress. (laughs) (laughs) She just didn't care. So that's it. Unfortunately, my dreams were shattered when I read that. Yeah, that's a come down, isn't it? Yeah. The Enterprise D is dropping Wesley off for his exam and an old friend of Picard's is popping up from the planet. Don't you hate it when an old friend visits and you're excited about catching up only to see they've brought a stern, balding young man with them? <laughs> Do you hate that? <laughs> it's Commander Dexter Remick and he's a real party pooper. Yeah, Remick is there to conduct a thorough investigation of the Enterprise D. Quinn says that there is something seriously wrong with the ship, but he won't tell Picard On Relva, Wesley is examining a flux coordinating sensor in the testing center. A human teenager (laughs) who seems to be in her mid-twenties comes in. Oleana Mirren. She's also a candidate but hasn't had the onboard experience Wesley has. She's heard of him and has long curly hair and all the blusher. A teen nerd's fantasy, I imagine. (laughs) Oh, yeah, she was. If you can't cast Phoebe Cates, then this girl's definitely (laughs) a close second. (laughs) She is nowhere near Phoebe Cates. What are you smoking? Oh, sorry. Then there's a Vulcan, Tashanik. She enters along with a Benzite Mordok. Not seen that race before. No, this is the first time we see the Benzite. Blue. Yes, and he's got a little breathing apparatus. Yeah, that's kind of isn't it? Yeah, it's neat. Breathing in vapors, but it's not sort of a mask or anything. No, it's probably some sort of, I'm sure it's been discussed in (laughs) Star Trek fandom out there somewhere, but I'm sure it's just some supplemental gas that he needs to breathe. Doesn't seem a very efficient way of delivering it, does it? No. Just needs a little whiff. Well, you want to be able to talk. You want to be able to do the stuff. Yeah. You don't want things getting in your face. Wes shares his admiration for Mordok, who constructed the Mordok strategy, although he hasn't trained yet either. All right, I wonder what that involves. But this is more proof of our patron's suggestion that the Academy makes people less clever. (laughs) (laughs) Because they're all pretty great already. Yeah. 
Mordok is played by John Putch. His feature film debut was Jaws 3D. Yes. <laughs> Starring Simon McCorkendale. Who? Manimal. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> and Dennis Quaid. Oh. Yeah. Yeah? It's before he got to be a big deal. Well, this is a film John considers one of the worst movies ever made. I was hoping the 3D would enhance my performance, but it didn't. <laughs> He supported himself with acting until he could get into his true passion of directing, including Beethoven's Christmas Adventure. <laughs> <laughs> the officer in charge of the test, Lieutenant Chang, enters, played by Japanese-American. I knew he was Japanese. I'm like, he doesn't look Chinese. Robert Ito is the actor, former dancer with the National Ballet of Canada, Ooh. and known for roles in Quincy, M.E., and Falcon Crest. Man, that guy, he's... He's one of those ubiquitous East Asian actors. Like, yeah. he's been in so much stuff. Nothing he can't do. He's great. He has a lot of animation voiceover credits, including Teen Titans. Go Teen Titans. T-E-E-N-T-I-T-A-N-S. Teen Titans. Let's go. Chang is super nice. He says they're all so good, he'd be happy to have any of them. But they can only take one. Not sure why. There's only so much room. Seems arbitrary to me. On the bridge, Remick is scowling and observing everyone and creeping them out. Riker storms to Picard's office and asks, what the heck is going on? And then he does his sit. <laughs> this is the first time we get the Riker sit. where he. So is this it? Instead of going round to the front of a chair and sitting down, he just enters it from the side. He throws his leg over Up the back of the chair and then just sits down that way. Yeah. Wow, and so he always does that, does he? Yes. Uh, I wonder is... if the actor does it or if it's just the character who does it. Oh, I don't know. I need to know that. This is a thing that I never recognized until somebody put it all together. So gorgeous. Basically, Picard says, I don't know anything, so I got nothing to tell you. And yeah. if I if I did have something to tell you, I couldn't. So, <laughs> eh. Honest. And Riker gets all grumpy and says, well, yeah, okay. And then he leaves. So a lot of good that whole scene did yeah, for him. Yeah, thanks a lot, except for the sitting. That was great. Remick wants to talk to Riker, but Riker says he's too busy to speak to him right now, and he leaves. Ooh, cheeky. Yeah. Do you think Remick's being this sort of mean and stern because that's the only way you can get respect from a crew like them when you're investigating them? I guess, or maybe it's a way to put some pressure on people to mm. kind of unnerve them. Maybe yeah. that's the strategy. I don't think it necessarily works. Well, not on Riker. Well, no. I mean, I think being adversarial would put everybody on edge. Yeah. And you want people to be at ease because hopefully they slip up and spill some beans mm. as opposed to getting... need a good cop as well. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, they've got nothing to hide. Nothing to hide. Apart from all the terrible things <laughs> that have happened so far. <laughs> Down on the planet, the candidates are finishing a test. We get this. You both don't know how lucky you are. I can't imagine what it would be like to have things come so easily. I have to push every step of the way. Oh, no, Oleana, it doesn't come that easily. I have to study all the time. It's a good thing you're cute, Wesley, or you could really be obnoxious. See you later. Did you hear what she said, Mordok? She said I was cute. Is that good, Wesley? Yes. I think. She's smoking obnoxious. I don't know. It's crazy. Oleana is played by Estée Chandler and is wearing the most blusher possible. 
Esther was 23 or 24, so not a teenager. No. And is best known as Nikki from Teen Wolf 2. Oh, right. Yeah? Yeah, that was, they couldn't get... the basketball one? Yeah, no, the second one's wrestling. Oh. Yeah, and it's got Jason Bateman in there as opposed to Michael J. Fox. We need to say this. Obviously, they couldn't afford him a second time. (laughs) She seems to have got out of acting and into visual effects production from the early 90s onwards. Hmm, Interesting. Hmm. She's attractive. Oh, yeah? yeah? She might not have stayed that way. Who of us has? Really, yeah. Meanwhile, Remick is questioning Riker about... That's when you're supposed to say, I have. Oh. And I'm supposed to say, you have. Uh... silence. (laughs) (laughs) I compliment you on your beauty daily. Oh, many times a day. If not hourly. Yeah. You should be quite secure. (laughs) I'm just thirsty for more. (laughs) (laughs) Thirsty. Meanwhile, Remig questions Riker about discrepancies in the captain's log. I felt weird during this bit. I didn't know where he was going with it. Mm -hmm. Riker's unnerved too and loyal, protesting, discussing this behind Picard's back. Now in this scene, they do this where he's questioning Riker and then they cut to him and then they cut back and it's a different person being interviewed. Yeah, it's really cool. it's It's a well done scene. I've seen it before many times. Have you seen it before 1987? Maybe not. Maybe this was the first time they did it. But now it's LaForge, and he asks about the incident with Kaczynski and the Traveler Ah. and forces Geordi to admit that the captain lost control of the ship. (laughs) I love this. So Starfleet do give a hoot. Yeah. Or are at least aware of the things that have been going on like this. Though to be fair to Picard, they sent Kaczynski. They did. Mm. Yeah. They said, hey, this guy's going to do this stuff. Let him do it. Yeah. Come on. Fancied a bit of a holiday break. But then they proceed to keep interviewing people and they kind of rip into a bunch of the stuff that we ripped <laughs> yeah, into. It's good. I like it. Yeah. He then questions Troy about the Ferengi incident, concluding that it demonstrated a mental lapse on Picard's part. She says, no, he was mind controlled. He's thinking Kirk would have resisted. I'll put it down as a mental lapse. <laughs> Wesley is somehow back on the ship now, brooding in the holodeck. Just having a little break? Yeah. Popped back up? Yeah, he's done for the day. Testing for the day. He was done. fine then. He's scared about the psych test, attempting to prepare for it, but unable to. Worf confirms, or Worf pops in for a little heart-to-heart with him. That's nice, isn't it? Confirms it'll be absolutely awful and spot on for his greatest fear. Worf counsels no point worrying about something you can't change and suggests yoga and forest bathing. (laughs) Didn't expect. (laughs) That's not true. We get this. How can they know what my deepest fear is when I don't? By analyzing your psychological profile. They were very accurate about everyone I tested with, including myself. You? I thought there was nothing that could frighten a Klingon warrior. Only fools have no fear. I'm sorry, Lieutenant. I'm asking too many personal questions. It is very difficult for me to depend on anyone for anything. But especially for my life. But on the Enterprise, you do that every day. Everyone depends on everyone else to protect them. Yes. So you overcame it? No. It is still my enemy. Hmm. Quite like that. Yeah. It's good, isn't it? Well, yeah, that's a thing about people being afraid and not having fear is a stupid idea it's about bravery that's courage yeah is Feel overcoming the fear, fear. And do it anyway yeah exactly right. so on the bridge yard does something <laughs> uh she detects the rejected teenager from earlier jake 
leaving in a shuttle. Uh-oh. Remick is appalled. Picard hails him and finds Jake plans to sign onto a freighter rather than face his dad's rejection at not making the entrance exam. Oh, brother. Writers really have had a lot of issues with their dads, haven't they? <laughs> and dad's approval. <laughs> Thanks to Picard distracting him, Jake stalls the engine and is flying towards the planet's atmosphere where he'll burn up. The engine needs to cool before he can restart it. Shuttles are not designed for landing on planets, then? Yeah, this is preposterous. <laughs> These things should basically fly themselves. How this became a problem doesn't make right. a lick of sense. What are they for? If they'll Shuttles? burn up in an atmosphere. They're only from going between big ships. No, Nowhere near a planet. You need. I, I assume you need shields to be able to get through the atmosphere without burning up. Ah. And if the power's cut, then you would have no shields. Ah. How did that happen? Yeah. How, these things are so advanced. They've got such powerful computers running them that some kid fiddling with it yeah. who's testing stalls. for Starfleet stalls it? Come on. Oh. It's preposterous. They can't use a tractor beam or the transporter because he's out of range. And they can't just follow him because... I have no idea. <laughs> Again, why don't they get within range? Yeah. Can't they? Can they not go close to the planet? This is a different planet. They can do it. Yeah. I don't understand why they can't fly. It's it's just some bad writing. Just in case Wes wants to pop back up and give them the results of his I test. Don't, I don't no. know. <laughs> I have no idea. It doesn't make a lick of sense no. why they can't do this. But it's too but, many plots. We've yeah. already got two solid A slash B plots. Don't need another. I mean, they could have set it up where there was a shuttle being repaired. And that's what the one that he took because yeah. he knew security would be lighter on it because it wasn't functioning. So he jumps in to a broken shuttle and then mm. all this stuff happens. And Something. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It, it's just, it's ridiculous. Anyway, Picard orders him to point towards the planet. But the kid's like, well, I can't do that. I'm going to crash even harder. <laughs> But what he needs to do is get it up to a certain speed and then put the engines on and pull up hard and Data counts down the seconds until impact. And then, of course, he does it. Bam! Bounces it right off the atmosphere. Yeah. Like skipping a rock, I guess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Picard did something. Everyone cheers. Remick asks why teenagers, supposedly, have access to shuttles. And Picard says he'll get a refresher in discipline. By which he means he has to clean Riker's shower for a year. <laughs> well, they turn off the self-cleaning aspects of the sonic shower, so... Oh, is it? To, yeah, you know, to yeah, punish this to kid. To really punish him, yeah. yeah. Back on the planet, Wesley and Mordock are stopped by a tall Starfleet officer called Rondon. He bumps into Wesley's shoulder and starts to insult him, while Wesley apologizes like an English person. <laughs> Lieutenant Chang arrives. Wes begins to explain, but he notices Rondon's webbed fingers and suddenly shifts to shouting... Who do you think you are bullying and threatening him with violence? Rondon is like, aha, I like your spunk, kid. And then he wanders off. Oh, does he spunk? <laughs> and of course, it was a test <laughs> to test his dealing with alien cultures, I guess. Yes. Observation skills. Yes. Zondon was a Zaldin. And they hate courtesy and think it's phony behavior to cover up true emotions. I have to agree with that, actually. <laughs> <As> <laughs> something, an English... There's something in that, isn't there? <laughs> well, there's something in that, but the English people, you know, quite polite generally. Well, yeah. Unless you get them on the internet or in the voting booth. Oof. Mordok says, I wouldn't have passed. Mm -hmm. Remick interviews Worf, then Data, who defend Picard. It's that cool editing trick again. Effective and pacey. Suddenly, Crush is there, and he's asking her how she feels serving under the man who was responsible for the death of her husband. Mm. Another beautiful, subtle, and defiant performance from Gates, as she tells him to screw off. It's none of his business and irrelevant. Mm -hmm. 
He finally questions Picard about his violation of the Prime Directive with the Edo Q song. <laughs> I want to take my best friend to pre-warpers, even though he's an alien. I like having him around. Just put him in a hat. I got to use this accent, sweetheart. I want to phaser a whole block, leave some tech and cut the Federation in. But there's that voice from my distant memory. What did they say again? Oh, yeah. Oh, Lot of you saw this song, aren't we? Well, it's next gen. Prime Directive is almost every gosh darn episode. Oh, wow. I might need to make a new version. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. He says this was all to save Crush's son, implying romance and or guilt driving it, do you think? His dad saying or no, he's I into ju- Bev? I just got it was him being responsible for a member of his crew and not letting him die senselessly. But they didn't think that was a good enough reason to violate the Prime Directive, Q song. No! <laughs> Well, obviously they did because he's still in charge of the Enterprise. If they didn't think that that was good enough or he made the right decision, then they would have well, booted his boot. Maybe they still will. Maybe they still will. Picard is at the end of his patience calling it a charade. He says charade instead of charade. <laughs> well, yeah, because that's the right way to say it. He storms to Quinn <laughs> to demand to know the truth. Quinn says, okay, I'll make Remick do his report now, even though he hasn't finished his PowerPoint yet. It's like an anxiety dream. Picard and Quinn acknowledge this has put a strain on their friendship. Oh, it really has. Yeah. But back to the B-plot. The candidates are taking the dynamic relationship test. It's a lot of tiny spheres in a cube shape on a screen, kind of rotating. And they got to put them in the right slots. I don't know what's going on. And Mordok is struggling, giving up. But Wesley encourages him, losing time himself. Chank says that Mordok got the fastest time ever. But Mordok says, well, Wesley, help me. (laughs) They're all supposed to be better than the Vulcan. Oh, right. Yeah. 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 I respect him saying Wesley helped me because I'm human. But they're not very imaginative in the personalities of these aliens. Mordok's like a Klingon with low self-esteem or something. I guess you have to be human adjacent to fit into the Academy criteria. I don't understand what you're saying. He's acting human. Mordok is. Yeah. In Star Trek, it's very rare that you're going to have non-human acting species. Mm-hmm. Like everybody seems to act human because it's a human TV show for humans. Yeah. And if everybody acted like crazy weird, then it wouldn't really work as a TV show. Well, not everybody. Well, I mean, like the guy earlier with the webbed hand. Yeah. You no, know, he acted differently. Yeah. But that is not the norm. This guy's supposed to be sympathetic to humans. Yeah. I think what the writers are trying to do is make him likable mm-hmm. so that when Wesley eventually doesn't get the position, that it's not like, oh, that evil Mordok, he, he really screwed Wesley over. It's like, no, Wesley was nice. He was nice. Everybody was nice. It's just how things turn out sometimes. Yeah. That That's was the, the takeaway. moral of the story. Yeah. I think. <laughs> Chang says that it wasn't the best choice of Wesley, uh, given that you and Mordok are neck and neck. Mm. And there's only one thing left to test, and that is the psych test. Mordok's greatest fear will be that Wesley isn't there <laughs> to encourage him. <laughs> Oleana's will be running out of blusher, and the Vulcan, no one knows anything about her. No. And this is the first time we see a Vulcan as a speaking role in Next Gen. Does she speak? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when she comes in, she says, like, hi. Her name is me. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Back on the Enterprise, Remick reports to Quinn, and we get this. Proceed with your report. 
Admiral, I've done my best to be thorough during this investigation. Continue. I couldn't find what you asked for, sir. I spoke to officer after officer at length. I pried into the ship's logs, and yet I could find nothing wrong, except perhaps a casual familiarity among the bridge crew, but mostly that comes from a sense of teamwork. and the feeling of family. I'm sorry, sir. I did my best. Quint. You're dismissed, Commander. Yes, sir. Captain Picard. My tour in the Inspector General's office will be up in six months. When I'm finished, this is where I'd like to serve, sir. <laughs> so cheesy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like some, is this some AV club fantasy? What? Do you have like a prefect at high school? Or so like head boy equivalent? Head boy? Someone, <laughs> <laughs> some kid who's got some responsibility. He's no. kind of in charge. No. All right, let's say the popular kid. Okay, sure. Yeah. Uh, has to investigate your AV club because, you know, there's some some suspicion about it okay and then he comes in all stern yeah he's totally above you in the status of the hierarchy yeah falls in love with you guys yeah. you're so great he ends up wanting to be part of the av club oh isn't that what this is <laughs> kind uh, of fantasy sure sure, sure yeah sure <laughs> if it'll ma make you leave it and we can move on then sure. <laughs> i'm just trying to empathize but i don't know why i'm trying to use this metaphor because i've never been in an av club <laughs> Standards, I guess it's good. Yeah, I I've never been in an AV club. I, we don't right. even think we had an AV right. club at our Sit. school. Switch all that for Dungeons and Dragons club. Okay, we didn't have a Dungeons and Dragons <laughs> club either. We were some kids that played Dungeons and Dragons. Switch there was no for that. club. <laughs> okay, <laughs> never mind. Never mind. Anyway, everybody, tell me <laughs> all your thoughts about what I just said. <laughs> oh boy. Uh. Quinn explains that the purpose of the investigation was to test Picard's integrity. There have been a lot of reports of problems and erratic behavior among the high ups mm. in the Federation. Mm -hmm. Quinn thinks that it might be sabotage, but maybe it's internal or external. He's not sure. Finally, an explanation for Commodores. <laughs> Bit of a slow investigation, though, isn't it? A hundred years later. <laughs> Quinn needs people he can trust and offers Picard a promotion to Admiral and to take over as Commandant of Starfleet Academy. Oh, I guess that one hours ago. Well, three minutes ago anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Picard says that he doesn't think that he's the best man for the job, but he will think about it. What a waste of time. Why didn't he find out if he actually wanted the job before he did all this charade? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. So back on the planet, Cheng leads Wes to room 101 for the psych test. A shaken Mordok walks out and tells Wesley he'll be okay in time. Oh dear. I'm <laughs> doing great. Chang leaves Wesley in the room, but nothing is happening. And Wesley he gets a bit nervous and he kind of goes, Hey, hello, I'm in here, I'm waiting. And then he bang. So Wes goes to investigate. Suddenly there's explosion, klaxons are going, and he hears cries for help. He runs towards them, reaching an environmental lab. A computer in there says the lab will be sealed off in 65 seconds. Wes yells for help, but no one comes. He opens the door to the lab and sees pipes belching freezing gas, a man under a fallen pipe and another man cowering in the corner. 
Is this real or is some of it hologram? I think it's real. Yeah? I thought it might be like the earthquake ride at Universal Studios. Uh, well, I mean, no, it's, it's rigged. not It's not really happening. Nobody's dying. They and... do get frozen, though, don't they? Or at least something white in their hair as they yeah. go past the freezing yeah. pipes. Yeah, so I'm sure that it is some very cold air or liquid stuff coming on them, but obviously not enough to kill anybody. They wouldn't actually kill them, would they? If he didn't get it right? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, no, because the guy walks out at the end. Okay, forget all that. <laughs> the liquid hydrogen is about to explode, and if they don't get out of there, the computer will seal them in to contain the explosion. Wes tries to convince the fearful man to help him rescue the one that's trapped, but he won't. He's just panicked and freaking out. He, he's paralyzed with fear, this guy. When is Wesley going to get back to his psych test? That might be <laughs> happening back in the room now. No one thought whilst watching this. Wesley has to basically make the choice of either helping the guy who's injured or helping the guy that's freaking out. So he lifts the pipe, helps out the guy that's injured, and he drags him to safety. Adrenaline strength. This guy's about three times his weight. Uh, maybe Will is dragging him. It looks like he is, but he's probably got a, a pulley system going on, has he? It's much easier to drag somebody than it is than to it, lift them. Yeah. Wes encourages the scared man to get out as well, but he doesn't. And people with mental health difficulties out there everywhere might be thinking, yeah, it is harder to get help when you can't show that you're stuck under a pipe or have got a broken leg. Yeah. The lab is sealed and up comes Chang. They love terrifying people in this episode and then being, haha, you passed the test. Well done. <laughs> The technician Wes saves stands up and thanks Wesley, while the other walks out of the lab and gives Wes a little wink and a nod. <laughs> Quite silly. Wes realizes the test was confronting his fear of having to choose between saving one man and leaving another. The same situation resulted in the death of his father, Ooh. whom Wesley chose was not important as the fact that he actually did make a choice. Isn't it cool that the writer actually read some of the old scripts when they were preparing to write this episode? Yeah. <laughs> Who knew that that would happen? Yeah. That happens much more later. In, in Star Trek. And this episode is one of these that it, it kind of is the start of a story arc, which mm -hmm. is pretty interesting because they didn't really do that in TV very often, like oh. have stories that cross over from one episode to another. Yeah, good, good. Whom would you have chosen to save? Oh, the injured guy for sure. Yeah. Well, because the, the guy that was wigging out might have not allowed me to help him. And yeah. then if I try to help him and I couldn't help him, then not only would the guy under the pipe die, yeah. that guy would die and I would die. So yeah. at least the guy under the pipe was willing to do everything he could to help me get, help him. Yeah. And Whereas there was the no guy. way you could coax him out with your voice while you shoved the other guy out. So it had to be yeah. that way around. I mean, he, Wesley tries. He tries to talk the guy Yeah, he tries down. to get both out. Yeah. Could, yeah. But the guy's just not having it. So. Yeah. Well, do you think he made the right decision? Is that what you would have done? I might have fannied around too much and saved nobody by trying to get the guy who was still on his feet out and yeah. then failing in that and then there's not enough time to get the other guy out. Good thing you're not applying to Starfleet Academy. Yeah, maybe I would have been so motivational. I would have got them both out. You know, you don't know. <laughs> I just flash them or something. What? I don't know how that would help. <laughs> Wouldn't it lure them out? It would... <laughs> promise of, of sexual favors yeah. is that so this is more of the mary suing people hate about wesley but my irritation meter is still on zero yeah me he too. acts with integrity courage yeah and he's nice and he's nice i like him i love wesley i don't people are nuts he's got nice hair a little sweet little face oh yeah good actor i like him yeah what's yeah. not to like later the cadets look less traumatized than you might expect in the room with Chang, who says he's proud of them and hopes they will all return next year for the test again. For one place again? Come on, Chang. <laughs> Mordok has won, but he feels like a fraud because Wes helped him. 
Chang says that wasn't the only difference between them. The psych test was, do you think? Mm -hmm. Hmm. There was a bunch. Of, I mean, they were taking tests for a few days. So. But they were neck and neck before the psych test. They made a point of that. Maybe it was the psych test. I don't know. Hmm. Mordok becomes the first Benzite in Starfleet. Mm. Oliana gives Wes a friendly warning that she won't be easy to beat next year. Mordok had better have a pocket Wesley to encourage him or his low self-esteem is going to be a real problem. <laughs> Which is the plot of Deep Space Nine. What? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm just being silly. The whole deep space nine. So later on the Enterprise, Picard is walking down a corridor and he runs into Jake. Jake tries to keep his head down, mm -hmm. but Picard sees him and Jake finally goes, yeah, I'm so sorry for what I did. But Picard reminds him that running away from your problems don't solve anything. Well, yeah. So Picard then goes into the observation lounge to find Wesley moping about. He's ashamed he didn't pass the exam. I failed, Captain. I didn't get into the Academy. I failed you, and I failed the Enterprise. Ridiculous. Did you do your best? Yes. When you test next year, and you will test next year, do you think your performance will improve? Yes. Good. The only person you're truly competing against, Wesley, is yourself. Then you're not disappointed? Wesley, you have to measure your successes and your failures within, not by anything that I or anyone else might think. But um, if it helps you to know this, I failed the first time, and you may not tell anyone. You? You failed? Yes, but not the second time. Now, you uh, do me the courtesy of joining us at dinner. I have to disappoint an old friend. Aww. Aww. <laughs> Picard <laughs> failed nice. his first time, yes. <laughs> so what do you think about that? Measuring your success and failures from within. Oh yeah, that's huge. You need an internal locus of evaluation. That's uh, one of the cornerstones of mental health. Because if it's all got to come from outside, you may never be satisfied. You've got to have a reservoir of self-esteem within. Oh, boy. Right? I guess so, yeah. And say, yep, that was good enough for me. Mm. So it's not easy. <laughs> now I was going to say, well, what about this podcast? Oh, yeah. If you think about it in that way, uh, you do get validation from outside by having people become patrons. Oh, I do. I love it. No, <laughs> so no, this no. is how I operate. <laughs> <laughs> Only that it's the ideal. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I have to say, I do a lot of measuring my success from external vantage points. Yeah, you're all our crutch out there, so yeah, just take that on your shoulders. I get that that ideal is preferred and probably what healthy people do. <laughs> but being in the entertainment industry, oh. it doesn't really give you much of an option. <sighs> That's why you've got so many troubled stand-up comedians and musicians, oh for example. Yeah, you need gee much more feedback than the average person just to have that equilibrium. Yeah, man oh man. But yeah, I think you're a pretty sturdy guy in terms of you generally think you're a good person, creative, good enough. Yeah. Don't you? I get external validation yeah. from a lot of different places. Mm -hmm. So if I didn't have that, I probably wouldn't be doing what I do. So it can drive you. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. For yeah. sure. It can lead to motivation. 
It's all because your dad never supported your endeavors. <laughs> <laughs> totally kidding, Steve is more supportive. Yeah, my, my, my parents are extremely supportive <laughs> yeah. and always have been. So, yeah, I don't have any of that problem. In the transporter room, Picard sees Admiral Quint off and he seems to take Picard turning down the job in good humor. <laughs> you know, he's like, yeah, whatever, that's yeah. fine. Picard does say, however, that if Quinn needs him, he will be ready to help. As long as I don't have to leave the ship. Well, so what do you think about all this conspiracy thing? Oh, right. Is this going to... This mm -hmm. is... Oh, this is part of the... Mm -hmm. Oh, right. I thought they'd just drop it like they dropped everything else. No. Well, oh. maybe. You'll have to wait and see. Interesting. Exciting. Well, Sabotage. <laughs> That's good. Well, we end with this. Set course for Alger on board, Mr. Crusher. Course plotted and laid in, sir. Then shall we continue with our mission? Yes, sir. Excellent. Mr. Crusher? Engage. So, concept. I love them being finally investigated for all the dangerous situations, prime directive violations, etc. Yeah. Picard has gotten them into in just a few months. Also, the hundred plus years of Commodore BS. I'm not keen on the sudden switch around for Remick to I love you all and I want to work here. You're like family <laughs> swoon. <laughs> yeah, well. And don't worry about all that other stuff I found. So they're aware of all the things that have happened. Disapprove of them think that they're indicative of sabotage, but yet there are no consequences. In fact, Picard is promoted. Yes. It's funny <laughs> that they address it, but it's also kind of sad that they totally ignore it after yeah. the fact that they address it. They probably just want to get him out of there. You can't do as much damage in training, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just train a bunch of kids on how to do things terribly. No, I think it was about him rattling the cage. And mm. even though these are things that might be a bit contentious, they weren't actually things that they got reprimanded for or were even considered wrong. So mm -hmm. just wondering about his motivations, yeah. making sure there's nothing rotten in there. Yeah. Why wouldn't he fall in love with these guys? I mean, they're awesome. That's right. We all have. <laughs> have we? <laughs> I have. I can see it going that way. That's the best you've had so far from me. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Take that scrap. Not sure how the psych tests worked. Maybe some hydraulics and a bit of stage effects type yeah, of thing. Exactly. With real actors. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. Was Wesley penalized for being nice? I don't think so. And maybe he was. I don't know. Well, Mordok benefited from his kindness. Yeah. yeah. But of course, I think they should take into consideration the fact that being in Starfleet is all about teamwork and working together. And well, that's yeah. what Wesley was doing. Yeah. Do you think there's anything about affirmative action being suggested that he was the first... Ben's like in Starfleet, and maybe that gave him a slight advantage points wise. Ooh, boy, no, I didn't take that at all from that. No. They did make a deal about it, though, that he was the first. Didn't they? Well, they didn't make it a deal until the very end. The I only thing between them was the psych test, and Wesley passed it, so just wondered. Not too many concepts to grapple with this time, so I'm going to give it six. Yeah, I didn't think there was much of anything in this conceptually. A kid taking a test and an investigation going on. There was nothing sci-fi about it. It could have been... A little shuffle thing and thrown in there. But it could have been happening not on a ship. Yeah, it's a five. Entertainment. They didn't even interview Ya. No. Poor Denise, no wonder she quit. <laughs> <laughs> the episode was nominated for an Emmy Award in the category Outstanding Achievement in Makeup for a Series. 
Wow, yeah. It was the first Vulcan, and we had Mordok with mm-hmm. his appendage vapor spray thing yeah. and his headpiece. John Putch was cast as another Benzai in a later episode, so they didn't have to remake the prosthetic. Oh, <laughs> it's actually I really like that episode when it comes up because Wesley's like, "Oh, hey, Mordok," and he's like, "I'm not Mordok." Oh. <laughs> he's like, "What?" And he goes. Oh, yeah, we're just very similar. It's hard for humans to tell us apart. Oh, interesting. Kind of thing. He's kind of a dick. Oh, no. I loved the editing trick of switching who was being interviewed. Well done, Mike Veha and cinematographer Edward R. Brown for that and the editor. That kept the pace up and was really impressive, I thought. Although you've seen it many times before. I liked it. Maybe it represented you can grill any one of the team, except Yar, obviously, (laughs) and get the same truthful but supportive response about Picard. Yeah. Really liked the scene at the end where Picard reassures and inspires Wesley and admits his own faults. Mm. Do you think people were hating on Wes more or less after this episode? You know, I don't know, because now it seems really bizarre to me that people hated on him at all. Yeah, it's like, oh, he's so nice and helpful and genuine, clever and humble and friendly. God, I hate that kid. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe people are like, teenagers don't act like that. And I'm like, actually, I've known some really nice teenagers, level-headed or cool yeah, and maybe not as responsible. Maybe not as, as responsible. Diligent, but sure. Some, but still, you know. yeah. What kind of faults would he have, do you think, that he's missing? To be that focused and driven and intelligent, you don't always also get things from the social basket of yeah. life, do you? Yeah. Yeah. But you could. Two A plots, really, in this. Yeah. I, th- I thought they kept the two balls up in the air well. Balls. Eight out of ten. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought it was a good, entertaining episode. Eight is a little high for me. I'm going to give it a seven. Mm hmm sexiness not a turn off to have Riker and Picard being assertive and sticking up for themselves <laughs> Bev and Worf too sure yeah a little bit of tension between Oliana and Wes a little bit of you know, promise of something that may come yeah she calls them cute I think at one point three out of five yeah sure yeah there's a little little hint of something there I was hoping Wesley was finally gonna get some action but <laughs> no, right now, of course not no. a nerd well, there's your, uh, there's your problem uh, <laughs> right there yeah you only wanted to play ball games with the people in justice as well <laughs> <laughs> Not that kind of ball game. Yeah, let's just run around. <laughs> yeah, three out of five, sure. Oh, okay. Stupid experts rating. I love the stupid experts rating come to life in this episode. Yeah. Strange that they then concluded everything was hunky-dory after dredging <laughs> up all of their mistakes. Yes. Yeah. Picard saved a life and handled himself well under pressure. Wesley was perfect as ever. There was an odd way for the Admiral to investigate Picard's honesty for a job he didn't want anyway. Yeah. But I think they did quite well. I'll give them one out of five. Yeah, I'd say one out of five. That's about right. And your guesses. I thought they'd be wondering why they'd blundered into so many problems that have to be solved by a child, an android, or a woman. Kind of. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Yeah. yeah. Wesley will nearly blow it through nerves. No way. No, not at all. Picard will be under the influence. He's never been more clear <laughs> in his life. <laughs> yes, it's true. So yeah. kind of off on that one. Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, So that concludes our coverage of the episode Coming of Age. Mm -hmm. And I want to thank all of our patrons for supporting us. Without you, we would not continue to make this podcast and have wonderful laughs and good times. Yeah, thank you, beautiful patrons. And thank you for listening. And with that, I'm Chris Lackey. And I'm Rachel Lackey. And you have been listening to Rachel Watches Star Trek. Just
Star Trek! <laughs>